Hello and welcome to the Bankers Podcast Series. I'm Silvia Pavoni and I'm talking to Leslie Maslup, who is the Vice President and CFO of the New Development Bank. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you very much for having me, Silvia. So we are recording this ahead of uh, the UN Climate Conference uh, taking place in, in Glasgow, uh, in the UK, um, between the 31st of October and 12th of November. Um, and um, I wanted to ask you what you think about these suggestions from academia, from uh, the um, banking industry about the creation of uh, development banks that look specifically at tackling climate change. As you know, what COP26 have done, what the COVID uh, pandemic has done is force a rethink by multilateral institutions to, to validate what, how effective have we been during this very deep uh, uh, crisis that we have experienced in the last uh, 18 months. As you know, development banks have been designed to play a counter-cyclical uh, role. So um, in many ways, there is a rethink underway about how, how we fit for purpose and in this regard, institutions are re-looking at their mandates, re-looking at their business models in an endeavor to see whether their scope to, uh, for example, uh, take on more risk, is their scope to uh, discontinue some of our activities and refocus on the demands in terms of the requirements for designing a low carbon future. So there's very much a debate around that. However, I would say if, if you have two extremes, one suggesting we create new global institutions and others suggesting that we rejig, uh, remodel existing institutions, I think the dominant voices are towards refitting our existing institutions. So what do you make of uh, the, I guess, the most recent, and we're recording this again um, uh, a couple of um, weeks ahead of COP, the most recent um, call from City in particular about the creation of um, a climate action development bank. So clearly you were saying that there is, um, the sentiment is about fine tuning what existing development banks um, can do, but uh, yet we do have quite a big voice um, uh, in, in, the, in the banking uh, uh, industry, the global banking industry, saying that maybe we do need something else uh, that looks at this specifically? I think development banks, uh, as I mentioned, have been uh, set up to be custodians of uh, global public goods, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, focusing on the loss of biodiversity, whether it's uh, climate change, uh, global pandemics, our, our type of institutions, development banks, have the mandate, we are owned by, by uh, sovereigns. We, to create new institutions will first, firstly require significantly more time to capacitate those institutions to uh, you know, put in place the necessary systems, mandates to ensure that they complement the existing uh, institutions. So the, the debate is not so much whether uh, a new institution in total have to be created, but the first task has to be, how do we make sure that the existing MDB system with over $2 trillion of assets can focus their activities. They employ thousands, tens of thousands of staff. How do we make sure that that intellectual resource put to the best uh, use? So the calls for, for example, a World Carbon Bank have been made over the last number of months. The jury is still out whether maybe new institutions could be created to again, work in, in tandem with the existing uh, institutions. But I think the issue is more around the transition, what's called transition finance. How will we manage for example, the large uh, stranded assets, uh, which we will now be confronted with as we discontinue carbon intensive uh, production. So for example, massive coal uh, fire power stations, coal mines, when those discontinue, 
the question is, will development banks not be better public stewards of those assets? And it's a real debate. My own view is that I think we have to reconfigure our existing institutions because we do not have the luxury of time to spend a couple of years building new uh, institutions. I know that you feel quite strongly about um, uh, changing the, the current, um, uh, I guess, uh, set up also um, ability and willingness to take on risk um, uh, from the existing development banks so that this capital at your disposal can be used more effectively uh, and with stronger force. Are you seeing any changes there? Um, what, what is the rest of the multilateral uh, community thinking? As you know, Sylvia, in 2015, the G20, when they emerged out of the Antalya meeting in Turkey, came up with a mandate that multilateral banks should look at optimizing their balance sheets. And uh, MDBs have been working over the last five, six years on that agenda. That agenda has been incremental at best. And in fact, the G20 uh, two months ago and the, under the Italian uh, presidency decided to put a new uh, independent review in place that will assess is there potential, and it's called the Capital Adequacy Review Panel, but in short what it means is, is there potential for MDBs to stretch their balance sheets more? Could they do more with their existing uh, capital? So there's a large, a high degree of consensus amongst our shareholders in the G20, IND, the most important uh, global shareholders of the MDB system, that that potential probably exists. How exactly and, and how these uh, capital adequacy metrics might have to be redefined will now be the subject of a very intense investigation over the next six, six, eight months or so, and it will be delivered by the next uh, G20 presidency under uh, Indonesia. I think that there's strong appetite within the MDB community to see how we can um, be more effective. And uh, this is against the backdrop of COVID-19, which really stretched the capacity of uh, MDBs in a crisis period. Are you hopeful that um, uh, the discussions that uh, at the next G20 will go your way as, as you would want them to go? I think that there is a, a fair degree of consensus when I listen to the voices from other chief risk officers, chief financial officers, you know, over the last uh, couple of weeks uh, in the build up towards the IMF World Bank annual meetings, there's been so many webinars and discussions, listening to Mark Carney, uh, the envoy, UN envoy for COP26, listening to the leaders of the World Bank, David Nafas and others. The direction of thinking is very much about how we can be more effective. And in fact, I would say the highest degree of consensus that exists is that MDBs uh, are too small as a system to play this sort of uh, corrective role or balancing role of um, kind of, if you like, uh, dealing with what is a very, you know, deeply pro-cyclicality of, of, of uh, markets, that we are too small in the system. What we need to do more effectively is mobilize private sector capital. So the biggest focus I think will be, or the biggest consensus ultimately will be that we can do a lot more to create appropriate investment platforms for MDBs to use their capital more as a catalyst rather than using their balance sheets to provide, for example, full lending for sustainable infrastructure. Instead of us, you know, building, you know, massive new uh, um, solar, wind, offshore wind and, and other forms of renewable energy, we should use our capital in such a way that we crowd in a lot more private sector capital. What that means is that we must make better use of our high credit uh, ratings to improve the risk return profile of these uh, sustainable infrastructure projects in such a way that the return matches 
what the Black Rocks and the Amundis and all of the big asset managers are looking for. The constraint they have right now, Sylvia, is that a lot of projects are in developing countries. Some of these countries are sub-investment grade and their investment mandates uh, dictate that they, that they must get involved only in investment grade uh, uh, projects. So we can play that role to do credit enhancement more uh, effectively. And I think that will be the big focus of some of the changes that will be uh, brought about. Very well. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us, Leslie. Leslie Marsdorp, the Chief Financial Officer of the New Development Bank. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.